0: Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, and occasionally 7800 game, and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 181. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to everybody. I hope you've recovered fully from your Fourth of July adventures here in the states, or wherever you are, if you're celebrated, if you celebrated the Fourth of July. Um, you know we're now uh, ten days or so out from the holiday, and I would hope. You know, if you did it right, you're just now recovering. So, you know, good for you. All right. Not a whole lot going on here, other than video games, of course. So, why don't we check in with this guy. Gonna prove that the world is flat In his rocket ship Or else he'll go splat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike All right, well, the Rocket Man himself, not Elton John. Hey, how did the Elton John movie do? There was all this hype when it was getting ready to come out about how this was the second coming of movies, and then I didn't hear much after that, and I did not get to the movie. Um, I watched Three Amigos last night, which is not the same thing at all, but I did. Uh, I hadn't watched that movie probably since it came out. It was pretty funny. Even my daughter, who's 13, and was like, When the movie started. This is dumb. This is not funny at all. Throughout the movie, she laughed the hardest of anybody in the room. So, there you go. Three Amigos stands the test of time. Crosses the generations. Anyway, what was I talking about? So, on July 4th, the Rocket Man himself, meaning Mad Mike Hughes, he who is on a quest to prove or disprove that the Earth is flat, and building his own rocket with duct tape and chewing gum, or whatever in his backyard and he is uh, all set supposedly at some point to make another attempt he launched a rocket launched himself up in the you know, upper reaches of the atmosphere several months ago last year sometime crashed hurt himself uh and is trying to do it again he's got the backing of some flat earth group and i guess other donors i suppose if anyone listening to this has donated to mad mike let me know but anyway supposedly there's going to be another launch On July 4th, on Facebook, and I'm guessing on Twitter as well, he posted, Happy Independence Day. This 4th of July holiday, remember, light your bombs and keep a safe distance. Do not climb inside a rocket bomb like Mad Mike. Your life expectancy will greatly increase. Have a fun and safe holiday, everyone. So that's nice. Nice little message. Oh, they have a little uh, video here. None of you are allowed past this tent. This is why. It's a bomb. It could spring a leak, and it'll explode so fast, it'll tear you apart. It'll kill everybody within a few hundred feet of it. That's a lovely message. That's a good message, kids. Don't climb inside a bomb. On July 3rd, he posted middle school science teacher Jim Cottrell. I say he. It's either him or whoever's running his Facebook page. Middle school science teacher Jim Cottrell drops some knowledge about science, rockets, and Mike's survival. Quote, he believes in science because he has force divided by mass equals acceleration. Well, that doesn't prove anything. He just knows the formula. He just knows the math equation. Continuing the quote, whether he walks away from this is going to be based on science. All right. June 28. Oh, yeah. That thing about why does the Earth look flat, it's perspective. Okay. Well, so no news there about... Any uh, rocket launches coming up. Twitter probably has the same posts, but we'll look anyway. Yep, same stuff there. Do a little Google search. MadMikeHughes.com has a link to a SoundCloud uh, entry, The Real Rocket Man by Chief Crow and the Flat Earth Worms. Yeah. Woo I did not pre-listen to this. I hope there aren't any bad words. Sing it! Alright, I think we got the idea. And that song is going to be in your heads all day. You're welcome. No new news on themadmikehughes.com. You can buy shirts. You can watch a movie trailer for the Rocket Man movie, the other one, not the Elton John one still tempted to subscribe so that I know what Mad Mike's up to, but I don't really want to. Now there's a link to support the project. Support the mission. Sorry. Alright, well, that's enough of that. Now let's hear another awesome song about Mad Mike. Take it away, Mike Man. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go flat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike If you have $90,000 laying around, you can give it to me. Or you can pick up the rarest Atari game ever. Go to eBay and look for a game called Extraterrestrials. It is apparently a knockoff of the uh, infamous E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Supposedly there's a posting on eBay for this $2,600 game for $90,000. Its obscurity, alongside being manufactured, I'm reading an article from Hyperbeast. Its obscurity, alongside being manufactured a year after the video game crash of '83, gives credence to its huge, huge price tag. Although an actual exact estimate is currently unknown, its going price has even beaten out the previously known rarest game for the 2600, Air Raid, which supposedly actually did go for $33,000. So, all right, I'm gonna look for this. Yep, there it is. Pre-owned, $90,000. Oh, it's pre-owned. Pfft. I'd take one, you know, new, for ninety thousand dollars, but you know, no way. Most I could do is forty-five thousand. The Barlow's Guide to Extraterrestrials by Wayne Barlow and Ian Summers, though, is only ten bucks. Uh, oh, okay. Well, here you might have some hope. Ninety thousand dollars or best offer. Free shipping from Canada. Eighty-six people are watching this. They quote the seller here. The only other discovered copies are held in a museum. Bolton regarded this discovery similar to that of finding an ancient artifact. Okay. Expedited shipping, estimated Thursday, July 25 through August 1. No returns. Seller gets good reviews. As always, if any of you picks this up, let me know if you got your $90,000 worth. Got a little feedback to the Intellivision Pitfall episode, uh, which I think was 179. Sean Courtney wrote in. First of all, to tell me that I should check out the 2019 Video Game Summit in Villa Park, Illinois, uh, which I think might be happening this weekend as this episode goes out. Um, I did consider it. I thought about coming down, promoting the show, maybe selling some books. I actually learned of it just before Sean uh, brought it to my attention as well. And by the time I heard about it, they had already filled up all the vendor space, except for the overflow room, which actually uh, literally comes with a disclaimer that says, The air up there, it's on the second floor, is not great. So I I thought, eh, maybe I pass this time. But you know, you never know. I might uh, check it out next year. But then Sean had thoughts about Pitfall for the Intellivision. I gotta say I'm disappointed with not only Pitfall for Intellivision, but also most Activision games that were on both Atari 2600 and Intellivision. Intellivision is a freaking 16-bit console with better graphical and auto capabilities than the 2600, but Activision didn't take advantage of it. Pretty much all they did was a direct dump of the 2600 version, and that's it. Certainly seemed to be the case when I played it. I don't know if I mentioned it on the show or not. When the reviews I read said about the only difference that reviewer noticed was maybe a little bit more swing action with the vines, maybe a little more, a bit more of a, a wavy effect or something when the vines are swinging, but that was about it. And I didn't notice anything that was different. But still, Pitfall, right? Still comfort food. Still hits that nostalgia button really hard. So, uh, I'm still. Disappointed, there weren't any surprises with the television game, but also in a way, kind of not disappointed, because it's Pitfall, man. You gotta love Pitfall, in whatever form you can get it. Thanks for writing in, Sean. I also got a tweet that I can't find right now about the Lock and Chase episode. That was episode 178. The tweet was from the Night Rider Years, friend of the show, friends of the show, Champion and Klein, do a podcast called The Night Rider Years where they talked about episode by episode the uh, classic 80s Hasselhoff adventure series, Knight Rider, and they've become friends of this show, uh, as I have of theirs. I got a tweet. uh, There's two guys. I guess I don't technically know which one it was, but I'm guessing it was Dave tweeted to say that, uh, while Sophie was my guest host on that show. She's 13. She giggles at everything, and she thought something was extremely funny when we were doing the stories, uh, the story segment on Lock and Chase episode. We got to laughing a little bit about that. Dave or Red or both uh, wanted to comment that they, th- they thought that was pretty that, that they enjoyed that it was sort of infectious laughter to which I responded that Sophie is 13. She giggles at everything. So appreciate that. I like the reinforcement that people are cool with my kids being on the show because that, that's a nice thing. So thanks for tweeting at me. Night Rider years Thanks to everybody for tweeting at me. Uh, in fact, I like hearing from you guys, so that's very cool. All right. Well, wait. What? What's that noise? Ah, oh, yeah. That means for this week's game, we're going into the future, baby. The Atari future. We're playing Ms. Pac-Man for the Atari 7800. It'd be cool if I had some awesome dramatic music to insert here, but I don't. I'll just tell you, you know this already. Ms. Pac-Man from Namco. Ported to the Atari, the 7800 version uh, in 1984. You guys know how to play Ms. Pac-Man, right? If you know how to play Pac-Man, you know how to play Ms. Pac-Man. And regardless, I'm sure you've all played, pretty much all of you have played Ms. Pac-Man on and on and on throughout your lives. Uh, for the one or two of you out there who have not, though I will run through this quickly, pac is in love. I'm reading from the manual here. And what a star his sweetheart is, with her red ribbon and long eyelashes, just like her leading man, Ms. Pac-Man, chomps her way through mazes as she battles four ghosts. Round and round, back and forth, across the stage, she races as she gobbles up dots, energy pills, teddy bears, fruit, and p- pretzels. Can she escape the marauding ghost, or will this be her final curtain? Will Will Pac-Man ever see his lady love again? So, to get started, we put the game in the machine, plug in the controller. The left controller jack for one player, another into the right controller jack for two players. Uh, you guys know this. You don't play two players at the same time. You take turns. Uh, move the controller handle, handle forward or backward to move the to move Miss Pac-Man left or right. Uh, move the controller handle to the left. This is when you're setting up. To the left or right to choose a maze difficulty level. Teddy bear, cherry, strawberries, oranges, uh, pretzel, apple, pear, banana. Uh, I guess I didn't really pay much attention to what difficulty level I was playing on for the uh, my practice this morning in the field report. Let's just say it was the hardest difficulty level ever. And I crushed it. Yeah, let's go with that. Alright, cast of characters. Miss Pac-Man, Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Sue. No Clyde in this one. Clyde got the boot. It was a contract dispute or something. Miss Pac-Man meets the ghosts. Miss Pac-Man appears at the center stage. During a curtain call, she must eat all the dots in the maze without being gobbled up by the ghosts. And she knows how to stall them. If she swallows one of the four energy pills, the ghosts change into blue, into blue costumes. She must chase them down and devour them before they change back again. And Ms. Pac-Man finishes, as Miss Pac-Man finishes each round, a new fruit... Her pretzel appears on the screen, and the chase continues. Faster and faster she runs as she turns a corner here, avoids a trap there. The ghosts aren't far behind. Quickly she swallows an energy pill, then turns on them. But before she can bat her eyelashes, the ghosts change back, and the chase is on again. Mildly benign, but still there. Sexist. Uh, this was the 80s, right? It's all about you know the red ribbon in her hair, and batting her eyelashes, and all that stuff. But anyway... Let's press on. The plot thickens. This is one tough performance. Miss man must scramble through four different maze pa- uh, patterns, and the mouth-watering teddy bears, fruit pretzels that bounce across the stage, try to lure her forward, or lure her toward the ghosts. Fortunately, she has five lives in each show, but once they're gone, her performance is over, and so is the game. But she can earn an encore if she gets through the banana maze. Miss man airs the random fruit mazes, so hold your applause until the final curtain. Make sure Miss Pac-Man eats the dots as quickly as she can. Don't let her take the energy pills too early or she'll lose her only weapon against the ghosts. Wait until they start to gain on her. Then she can tease them toward the pill before she gobbles it up and turns the chase on them. Remember, each maze has escape tunnels that lead offstage and back again. That could save her life. Three cartoon breaks immediately follow the strawberry, apple, and second random fruit mazes, which I thought was pretty cool. It really made me feel like I was back in the arcade, you know, playing my... My Ms. Pac-Man there with all the, uh, the really uh, nostalgic arcade sounds in the background. So that was cool. Point values range from 50 to 5,000 points. Or rather, levels range from 50 to 5,000 points. Eating things range from 10 points for dots to 1,600 points for the fourth ghosts. After the first 10,000 points, you earn one extra life. And that is how you play Ms. Pac-Man for the 7800 or pretty much any other version. Ms. Pac-Man, if you didn't know this already, was the second game in the Pac-Man series, released in arcades in February of 82 by Midway Manufacturing for the arcade, Namco for the ports, Atari for the ports. The Atari 2600 version was infamous for flashing ghosts, while the 2600 port had minimal flicker. I assume that means the 7800. Might be a typo. The 2600 port apparently won Video Game of the Year, the 83 Arcade Awards, tied with Ladybug. I find that hard to believe, but alright. Game Facts called the 7800 Ms. Pac-Man a major facelift from the disappointment of the 2600 Pac-Man. Oh, sorry, they're talking about the 2600 Ms. Pac-Man being a major facelift from the 2600 Pac-Man. A review on Atari Age from Crossbow in 2007 refers to the 7800 version of Ms. Pac-Man as one of the best ports of the arcade brought to a home console. As reviewer says when he first heard about the 7800 version, didn't have high hopes for it. The ghosts appear on the lower rotund side. There is a noticeable uh, jagged effect to the graphics, which is really noticeable on the maze boundaries, but the intermissions have been included as they should be. The mazes appear in the 7800... All the mazes appear to be in the 7800 version and even do the randomizing after the last one has been completed. Quite impressed by the sound. The control in the 7800 version still can't replace the original stick of the arcade, but the Pro-Line joysticks do well. I imagine any good controller that can self-center would be fine for this game. Overall, this version would make a fine addition to anyone, for anyone to add to their 7800 library, especially if they are fans of the Pac-Man games. Alright, well, after the break, I'm adjusting my bow. Where, or oh where, should I put it this time? Oh my god could this be true is she really in the building is she here right now oh 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 I think that's her is it her I think it is it might be her it probably is oh my god it's Miss Batman Eeeee! all right so we're playing miss Pac-Man for the 7800 uh yeah so let's do that <laughs> go guy, there we go, or girl, sorry, oh come on, I was doing so much better in the practice rounds, there we go, I don't particularly like the 7800 control, that's not news, nobody does, uh, but I found that I like it better than like the Sega Genesis adapted for this particular game, not for others, oh, no, I smashed right into Blinky, jerk, Oh, I guess I should pay attention. Where the hell am I? There I am. Ah! Pinky! It's hard to talk and play games at the same time. That's some stunt stuff, baby. Uh, this game looks amazing. I don't precisely remember what the Atari version looks like, but this has got to be damn close. Ah. Okay, so the 7800 controller is not perfect. I don't quite have the maneuverability I would like. That's okay, because we're about to finish this board. Yeah, even though I'm talking to you people at the same time. Yes, I'm burning through power pellets, but you know what? I'm not going to last that long anyway. I'm talking to you people. Ooh, strawberries. Oh, man, I was looking at strawberry, not at or sue, I guess, in this game. It's a good lesson, kids. Don't ever look at the strawberries. But yeah, the colors are crisp. Ms. Pac-Man, got the bow and everything. I'm about to die. The ghosts look great. Uh, When I was playing earlier, I didn't get that far this time, but when I was playing earlier... Oh, I got another person. Sorry. Strawberry! I walked right past it. Dang it. Oh, I'm gonna die. I died. I didn't get as far this time, but when I was playing earlier, I got through enough boards that I got to one of those sort of interstitial things where you have Pac-Man on screen and Ms. Pac-Man, and it says when they met, and then there's a big heart over their heads. They are just heads, I guess. There's a big heart over them. You know, one of those uh, sort of in-between transition things. That was cool. That makes you feel very much like the like you're in the arcade, you got, you know, your row of quarters up there, and your and your uh, Pepsi up on top of the machine. There's some clown behind you, griping because you're taking too long on the machine. Good times, good times. All right, well, back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XeGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that, and for free, just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's x-e-g-s, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast? but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about Ms. Pac-Man for the 7800. I see nothing wrong with this game, Ms. Pac-Man, Pac-Man, the Pac-Mans, which I have not played all of, i played obviously Ms., I've played Mr., Um, I think I played, back in the day, Baby Pac-Man, possibly, and maybe even Super Pac-Man, if that's a thing, I think that's a thing. I know there are other ones, but I don't think I've played the other ones, still. Uh, perhaps someday in the uh, ongoing journey of this podcast. I'll get to the other ones. I don't know. Uh, I really, really, really liked Ms. Pac-Man for the 2600. I really, really like this one as much, maybe even a little bit more, because it's a little bit crisper. and gives me a bit more of that arcade experience. So uh, I have nothing critical to say. I would play this game over and over and over again. If I wasn't recording a podcast right now, I might still be playing it. Hell, I might be playing it as as I speak with the sound off. You don't know. No, I wouldn't do that, because sound is part of the fun of this game. Uh, Again, that nostalgia thing. So, yeah, I got no complaints. It's story time on Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's original short story is titled Turn Left No Right No Left Missy Packleman flopped down on the couch The daily grind still chattering about in the recent past But unable, unable to touch her here in the present Kicking off her shoes She stared absently at her phone A bunch of Twitter responses to some dumb thing she posted that morning That she couldn't even remember now Several people liked the cat-related meme on the Facebook post that she put up Oh look, a text from Iris M. The text said, "Half-priced margaritas. You in?" No, no, Missy was not. Unless Dabney's was delivering alcohol now. Not a bad thought. Missy was out. She wasn't going anywhere because that would require putting on shoes and pants and probably constricting undergarments. A text from Brenda. So are you doing the fair on Saturday? Oh God, that's stupid. Sorry. Community revitalizing fundraiser she had agreed to work on this weekend. Missy had promised to bring cupcakes, homemade, not store-bought, and set up tables and check people in and whatnot. On a Saturday, after the work week at a place adjacent to hell, where all the men wore sweat stains and arrogance strangled by, but not killed by, bad ties, and all the women were that kind of angry where people pretend not to be angry, but absolutely are, so that not only are you worried about what they're angry at, They're annoyed that they won't just get on with being angry, so that the bit of the workday can just be over already. Missy pressed the chilled beer can against her forehead. Her phone chimed again. Another text. Sue this time. Sue just liked to text to tell Missy about the latest non-adventure in her life. He called again, the text said. Barry? Missy typed back, knowing for certain it was. Yeah, I didn't answer him, Sue wrote cool. Then Missy typed, Gotta go. The cupcakes are on fire. It was a little rude, Missy knew, but she already knew what Sue's next test would have been. Something about how Barry called again, and she caved, and bought the life insurance. Barry was Brenda's life insurance agent, and had Sue in his sights for his next client. The next morning, it all started again. 6 a.m. alarm. Cold shower. She really needed to buy a new water heater. Cupcakes from last week's baking adventure for breakfast. One, then two, then three. She gobbled the little round bits of sweetness, like power pellets from that video game her brother liked when they were kids. Missy's cubicle was the third one left of the rear entrance door to the office complex, which meant that all day long she could hear the metal door bang open, then close as co-workers went in and out getting sodas and coffee, before winding their way through the maze of cubicles. Brenda stopped by Missy's cubicle mid-morning. Brenda worked in purchasing but seemed to spend most of her time in Missy's department, accounts receivable. Cupcake update, she said by way of greeting. Baked half of them last night, Missy lied. Cool, Brenda said and was gone. Brenda was a good friend, even though she lacked social niceties. Iris wandered in. She was a supervisor in marketing. She had her own office with a door, which is good because she was often hung over. I know I'm not your boss, Iris said. Uh oh. Missy responded. But you are ordered to come out with me tomorrow night. Dabney's has free wings. I'm baking cupcakes tomorrow night. Iris made a face. The fundraiser? The fundraiser. It's not even one of the good charities, Iris objected. Missy shrugged. I should probably get some work done. Iris returned the shrug and disappeared. A short time later, Penelope appeared in the cubicle open space where the door should be, Missy really wished she had a door. Also, she wished that she had made more friends outside of work. Did you hear? Penelope said Cherry is in the office. Missy froze. Seriously? Cherry Strawberry was the assistant to the regional administrative director liaison to the vice president. It was well known that the VP's office was looking for a new deputy to all that other stuff. Cherry was probably in the office today scouting out the talent. Missy had to make sure Cherry knew that she, Missy, was that talent. Where is she? Missy asked. Other end, Penelope pointed. She was showing Clifton how to upload the monthly data summary analysis report encapsulation. Missy stood on tiptoes to peer over the cubicles. Cherry was quite tall and was clearly visible across the maze of cubicles. Missy was determined to accidentally on purpose run into her as she could charm her so she could charm her with a firm handshake and some very useful, off-the-cuff facts she could wow her with. Now, Missy had to just think of some. "'Excuse me, P,' Missy said. "'I have a date with Destiny.' She set out. "'I dated Destiny last month,' Penelope muttered. "'Made me pick up the check every time.' Missy weaved in and out of the cubicles. There was no destination in this office, physically or professionally. That was a straight line. Missy's OCD kicked in, and she felt compelled at each cubicle she passed to turn the little circular in or out sign everyone had, but most ignored, to either in or out, depending on what was appropriate. Cherry was on the move. She went from Clifton's cubicle, left, to Becky's, and down the road to Jeff's cube. Jeff apparently showed Cherry something funny because she laughed or she was just being polite. Missy took a shortcut through the quiet section where some of the cubicles held old office equipment instead of people. There were three cubicles, though, where the occupants were having a heated discussion about cookies. Missy tried to briskly walk past. Maggie, Wayne, and Joaquin, though, each held out a hand holding a different flavor cookie. Tell them mine is better, Maggie said. No mine, Wayne said. They're both morons, Joaquin countered. Coconut all the way. Missy snatched the cookies one after an hour and devoured the little discs. Mmm, all good. Missy said, spraying chocolate chips and the aforementioned coconut as she kept moving. Missy could hear Cherry. She was right around the next corner, telling Reggie about the soon-to-be-announced revisions to the office procedure manual. Missy was almost there. The prize was nearly hers. Missy's phone chirped. Text. It was Sue. My life is over, the text read. Damn it. Barry again, Missy typed back as she walked. Dax, was the reply. This was new. Dax who? It's so bad. Dax who? He wants to clean my gutters, Brenda explained. He calls all the time. Let him, Missy typed. You need it. Missy turned the phone off and shoved it back in her pocket. Intersection with Cherry Strawberry was imminent. Getting this job would be a huge life boost. Cherry's back was turned as Missy approached. She was talking to Magna, the newest purchasing department hire. Cherry was probably putting the fear of God into her. Soon, that would be Missy's job. Um, excuse me, Cherry, Missy said, holding out her hand, locked and loaded. Cherry Strawberry turned, the administrative smile wavering, but regrouping. Oh, Missy Packleman, hello. She took the proffered hand. Was it an enthusiastic shake? Missy couldn't tell. I hope I wasn't interrupting anything, Missy said. No, not at all, Cherry said. I was just telling Magna she got the deputy job. Oh. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers. Traverse the maze to Apple Podcasts and leave a review of this show. May you enjoy all the pellets you can eat along the way. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. And now you can call and leave a voicemail too. Tell us about any damn thing you want. 563-265-1978. Please consider supporting the show financially by making a donation at the Atari Bytes Patreon page or by picking up shirts and mugs in the AB underscore pod underscore store on Zazzle.com. Links to all of that in the show notes. Hey, do you love Snoopy? Do you know someone who does? Yes. Yes, you do. Check out my other podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Your one-stop shop for all things in and around the Peanuts universe. The Peanuts comic strip... The TV specials, the movies, the merchandise, the mind of Charles Schultz, cartoonist himself. It's all over there on the 15th of every month. You won't be disappointed. Next time on Atari Bytes, Title Match Pro Wrestling. Yep, that's what we're doing. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.